0: Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to our Burden and Blessing Podcast. Today, Pastor Neil Radical and Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew are continuing on in our searching through the Psalms, and we're going through this in a chronological way. Today, we're looking at Psalm 54, and we're looking at the New King James Version. Nathaniel, would you like to read that for us?
1: Absolutely. We, hey, we've got a little bit of an introduction to this one. It doesn't happen all the time, but it actually places this in a very specific historical context this time. So we don't have to Yay. guess this time around. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Psalm 54, the introduction does place, the, place this in the historical context. To the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, is David not hiding with us? Save me, O God, by your name and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies.
0: There it is. It's nice. It's nice and short too. It is. makes it a little bit easier to talk about. It does. (laughs) So you mentioned right away that it has the historical significance and setting for us. Do you want to go into that a little bit? We know that many of these Psalms fit so well with 1st and 2nd Samuel. So if you're ever thinking of the Psalms and you want to do a parallel study with the Psalms, 1st and 2nd Samuel are good books to read because it really shows the life and times of David. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, So just think about the Psalms that we've covered here recently.
1: And like you mentioned early on, we're taking these in chronological order, but we're hopping all over the place. We took Psalm 22 last time. If you back up before that, we talked about Psalm 17, Psalm 13, and these are all in about the same time period. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, when we we looked at Psalm 13, we talked about another period about at the same time with the Ziphites and David on the run from Saul. So we've been talking a lot about that period of history. And again, this one places it very specifically in that context. So very similar in background information. David's on the run, Saul's hunting him down. There's all of these people then that know that Saul is looking for him. And obviously they wanna please the king, that's Saul. They probably trust the king and they probably think that David really is a bad guy because they don't know all the background. And so when they hear about David being in the area, they turn him in, in essence. And that's sort of what happened here. So this one is a kind of an interesting situation because as you look at First Samuel, Saul has been notified by the Ziphites that David is among him, among their, their, their people. So Saul comes down to hunt him down. David knows that he's coming. So he waits, and he's kind of spying them out, and when they go to sleep at night, he comes in, and he has the opportunity to kill Saul. That would end his problems, and other of his men want to do that, but he doesn't. He says, I can't kill the Lord's anointed. Let the Lord take care of him. Let him die in battle, whatever, but I'm not going to do that, and so then what happens is he takes Saul's spear. He takes his water jug. He leaves the camp, he calls out to the camp, and he says, hey, guess what I've got here? I had the opportunity to kill you, but I didn't. And and that makes an impact on Saul. He realized, he confesses, he said, I have sinned. I have done something that I should not have done. And and you can see that in the context of this psalm. Those who are oppressing him, those who are turning him into the government, but he's innocent and, and Saul even admits it. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. I should not be doing this. So the vindication that David is praying for here in the psalm, the Lord does bring
0: about for David.
1: Kind of a neat thing. I
0: don't kind of wonder, used in a different time we discussed, especially with Saul here, that word he confesses. So we recently did a study together on Achan and whether that was a confession of a contrite confession or a repentant confession. I think the two are important to distinguish because if we're talking about Saul here, yes, he's confessing that he sinned and made a mistake, but so did Judas, so did Peter, so did Achan. So just exploring for a moment, and it does help us understand David's prayer here, I think a little bit, is if Saul is contrite, is that just simply I've been caught? You know, I I should have been killed by David and I wasn't. That makes me feel bad. My conscience is speaking to me here. Whereas repentance is, I'm going to turn away. I'm not going to pursue David anymore at all. I'm going to forgive him for any wrongs that I think he's done against me. I'm going to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I'm going to trust that the Lord has forgiven me too. That's the repentance. It's not just contrition. It's a sorrow that leads to faith that God has forgiven us and redeemed us. So I think that's a very important point to distinguish here because we do know that Saul continued to hate and want to murder David even after this point. So any comments on that? I think that is what this psalm is all
1: about. I think you hit the nose on the head. And I think when we think about the historical context, that makes sense. Look at what David says again in this psalm. He First of all, he talks about the people who have risen up against him, People who are oppressing him, seeking his life, they have not set God before them. So he's making a claim there that these people aren't making God and his word a priority. But then he he has a, a prayer on behalf of those who do support him, who are upholding his life in verse 4. But I think verse 5 is the key. And this gets to the point that you were making. He says, the Lord will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth so you mentioned two words contrition and repentance when we look at Saul we don't know the difference between the two because that difference is a matter of the heart isn't it right and that's something that you and I we can't look into the heart of somebody else so the Lord calls us to judge another individual based on their words not on their heart because we can't see the heart but David says Lord you can you can see the heart. You know what's going on. You know if that's sincere. And this is not the first time that Saul has confessed and said, I have sinned. And (laughs) what I've been doing is wrong. And like you pointed out, he's going to go back and he's going to do it all over again. So what what David is doing is he's saying, what I see is only half of it. I can't judge the heart of Saul. I'm going to take him at his word, but I'm also going to hold him at arm's length because he's not very trustworthy. Yeah. But ultimately, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands. You cut them off. You judge them according to the truth, to 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 your faithfulness, to what you know is going on in the heart.
0: This brings that history back in that's so important. And if anyone ever questions why history is important, it is that is the person trustworthy based on their history? It doesn't mean that we don't forgive them or love them. But you mentioned it earlier when we talked about 1 Samuel 23, but you also jumped ahead and we were looking at 1 Samuel 26 a little bit more. There's a great cross-reference, that, cross-reference I think really explains what you just said there so well, as far as, Lord, you know my heart, you know Saul's heart. Do you want to read that cross-reference from 1 Samuel 26, verse 24?
1: Yeah, this is pretty neat because like you said, in, in 1 Samuel 23, David has the opportunity to kill Saul and doesn't. And that is repeated again in in 1 Samuel 26. And when seems like this seems like the same account, possibly, but but they're different because there's right. different things that are going on in different different uh, locations. Same place, but two different times separated by a time when Saul has to leave and then he comes back again. And you're right, this point that David makes to Saul. So he's taken his jug, he's taken his spear, he's calling out and he's saying, Hey, I've got your stuff. I had the opportunity to kill you, but I didn't. This is what he says. He says, Indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And notice that he goes back to the Lord, doesn't he? The Lord is the judge. The Lord values my life, but you should value my life too because the Lord values my life. That's why we should value all human life, Neil. It doesn't matter if I've got a problem with you or not. And I think I'm right. And I know that you're wrong in my mind, right? And so I say, well, Neil ought to get it because I'm right and he's wrong. David doesn't do that. He says, we know what the Lord values and we're going to let the Lord, he's going to settle that because he knows what's going on on the inside of the
0: person. We only you know just a part of it. You could ultimately apply that to any relationship. And he definitely, I like the way you said that, because it reminds me of you know, marriage counseling and so forth, because it doesn't really matter. You know, you made the point that Saul, you should value my life because the Lord does, but there's another way you could read that too. You could say, Saul, The Lord values my life, whether you do or not. And so it's basically David saying, I value your life. I know the Lord values mine, whether you do or not. I I do think that's such good application for our day-to-day relationships. doesn't matter what that person thinks about us. We know that the Lord values us. We want to value their life and everything they have going on. To continue to pray for them, just like David does here. So, some very deep applications here that I did not expect from Psalm fifty-four yeah. at first at first glance. Right?
1: Yeah. There's, there's. I mean, that's the joy of digging into these psalms, Neil, is that we we open doors as we study through them, don't we? That we we would never expect, and the Lord opens these things up to us and shows us not only truths. But then also applications, and not just applications to David's life, but applications to your life and my life, you know, that is such a valuable thing. God's word, these verses that we're looking at right now, they're 3,000 years old. 3,000 years old, David wrote these verses, and yet they're just as applicable to us today in the 21st century as they were 3,000 years ago when David First penned them. That's an important thing for us to realize. That shows that shows inspiration, doesn't it? And not just yeah. inspiration in the the human sense, but inspiration in the divine sense. God re- recorded these verses so that you and I could benefit from them as well.
0: Absolutely. So as we look at these verses some more, and there's a lot of very important words that I think are worth pulling out especially in the new king james version and they do relate to what we're talking about so you just read verse five that he will repay my enemies for their evil so in other words we maybe think of vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord So is a nice cross reference to that as well isn't that malachi i believe it is and then you have that cut them off in your truth so you mentioned that before whether it be in this world and that whole idea of what's right or wrong or in the sense of Uh, what's truthful and what's not as far as reputations and gossip. goes, we know Doeg, we talked about him in a previous psalm where he didn't seem to care much about life, obviously with what Saul had him do. But this whole idea of cutting him off your truth could ultimately be that final judgment too, if they rejected the truth about the Messiah, they rejected the truth about the Christ. The Lord will repay all enemies for that, whether they're Christians or not, Christians, but specifically here, you see how the Lord is the one who's going to vindicate, or the other word that we used there was the recompense of God. So, how do you think that those words? Why are those words so important for us to keep intact in Psalms like this for our understanding? Well, vindication, recompense, you know, whatever word you want to use, they're they're very
1: similar. They're syn- uh, synonyms. They have to do with getting what we deserve. And and that's one of the amazing things. Last week we took a look at Psalm 22, and when we go through the season of Lent, we realize well, we deserve death. I mean, when we really look at the law of God, we realize this is what I deserve. But but we don't not get not what just we
0: death, d- but eternal
1: death. T- exactly, yeah, yeah, not just physical death. You're right, eternal death. And and yet during the season of Lent, we're reminded that because God loved us so much, He sent His Son to suffer the recompense that we deserved so that we would be set free, that we would have the hope of everlasting life.
0: Sounds like Isaiah. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That Isaiah 53, that we that we'd receive that gift of that salvation
1: in christ yeah. isaiah 53 you know points very clearly to the the cross of christ i think the reference you were thinking about is in second corinthians 5 god made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god oh in him. yeah
0: but i was thinking yeah. of isaiah 53 the lord laid on him the iniquity of us all yeah, yep. same parallel thoughts there yep. with that vindication recompense there too that you right. were saying
1: right yeah and, and i think you know when as paul was writing second corinthians he was probably thinking about Isaiah 53, and and that verse that you were talking about, because that is where the recompense, the justice of God was served on Jesus at the cross. And so again, knowing that, knowing that we are unrighteous, and yet we have received the mercy of God in the person of Jesus, that should motivate us, as David did here with Saul, to not show vengeance on other people who have wronged us, but again, put that in the Lord's hands. And say, Lord, you have delivered me. You desire the salvation of this other person too. Judge them, but judge them
0: righteously as you have judged me righteously in Christ. I think it's amazing when you keep coming back to that righteousness. And verse 7 is very powerful because it says, For he, the Lord, has delivered me out of all trouble. And my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. So he's even seeing that now. He's seeing that you know, he has, the Lord has given him power over his enemies, but he's deciding what, how he treats them. And ultimately, like you said, Christ really shows us that example. He's, he's got power over his enemies while he's on the cross, but his desire is to pray for them, his desire is to, and how he treats them in a merciful, God pleasing way. And ultimately, because of what Jesus has done for the cross, we can also say with David, Yes, the Lord has delivered me out of all trouble. And what a blessing it is to cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us, or the one who delivers us out of all of our troubles is the one who continues to remind us that you know, these truths are the same for us as they were for David as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's a pretty neat thing to see, again, the benefits for, for us, our, ourselves still today. One final thought before we, we leave the psalm. One of the things that we noticed as we were studying the psalm, is that there are two distinct parts. So there's a, there's a prayer to God. So it starts off verses one through three, David is praying to the Lord, he's pleading his case. But, and at first I was thinking that these other parts are David talking to people around him, but I'm wondering if it's almost him talking to himself. So imagine this, you're sitting down and you're praying to the Lord and as you're praying and you're, you're bringing these requests to the Lord, you stop for just a minute and you think about the application. And I, it's, it's almost the way this works in this psalm. Verses one through three, you have the prayer, save me, O God, by your name. And then verse four and the first part of verse five, then David stops and reflects on that prayer. And he says, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies. And then he goes back to the prayer, second half of verse five and verse six, cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord. And then he goes back and he reflects on that again. Verse seven, he says, He has delivered me out of all of my trouble. My eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Just what a beautiful thought in the way that David not only prays the prayer, but then shows it's fulfilled what I have asked of the Lord. The Lord will do a pretty neat thing.
0: I think it's really neat too, because it really teaches us what prayer life can look like. You know, we can, we can have, we have to be careful how we say this, a conversation with the Lord in the sense where, Our prayers can be interrupted as we're, but this whole idea of this contemplation, this meditation of David is that he's, he's praying, but he's also meditating on God's word, so that he's able to really understand how the Lord would even answer that prayer. So this is a great example of that. I like the way you set up these paragraphs to understand how, yes, he's praying this, but then he remembers, he remembers that the Lord is doing these things for him and how the Lord would answer this prayer that he has. He keeps on praying. And then he remembers once again of how the Lord answers that prayer. And that's the same thing we could do as Christians today. We can have prayers of the Lord and remember his word, his covenant and how he fulfills those promises that he's made to us in our prayers. Yeah. Another beautiful Psalm. It is wonderful. Well, as far as closing thoughts I'd like to close by looking at hymn 29 out of the TLH, and it uses the word deliverance here. We were looking at hymns that maybe uses the word uh, recompense or vindication, and really those words are similar to deliverance or God's judgment, but in TLH 29 verses 1, 2, and 4 use that idea of what David would have been going through as well, so we'll close with these thoughts. Through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. Of his deliverance I will boast to all that are distressed. From my example, comfort take and charm their griefs to rest. The hosts of God encamp around the dwellings of the just. Deliverance he affords to all who on his supply, trust. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this Burden Blessing podcast. Until next time, as we continue in our chronological psalms, the Lord bless you with his comfort and with his strength as he continues to answer your prayers according to his good and gracious will. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that He will always be with you, even to the end of the world.